Hello and welcome to Rigore, the Italian football podcast. I'm Marco. And I'm Giancarlo. And we're a day late this week because we have both been uh, celebrating unlikely wins for our, for our own teams in the same yeah. weekend. Yeah, it's very rare that that alignment comes into position. It's like sort of the Halley's Comet of weekend results is when Venezia and Fiorentina both win and uh, mine in per- was particularly torturous but we'll get to that we will we will later we, we, on. Will, we will save that for later in the in the podcast i thought we could kick off uh, this episode with you know probably on paper the biggest game of the weekend uh, the milan derby and you know people expected quite a lot from this milan have started quite well uh, as have inter but it turned out to be a very it was a good game but it was a very one-sided game in the end yeah it was a brutal verdict really i mean it was what I think we've said it quite a while in this that it, Inzaghi has got a squad at his disposal that's the best in Italy, I think, yep. and he showed it really. You know, and there have been times in derby matches, and even in this one, there was a moment when he left the door open, and I thought Milan were going to get back in. Leal's got a nice going. Mm-hmm. You know, they they hadn't looked like getting anything out of the game, but this time around, they slammed the door in Milan's face. It was, a, I mean, the Thuram goal was worth watching 5,000 times over and it was a comprehensive domination and Italy being Italy of course Inter now on for the Champions League (laughs) and Pioli why have they kept him you know he should be sacked I mean it was a big result it was a big scoreline and that in a derby against your biggest rivals is always going to have consequences but I mean I'd I don't know. I just I wonder how much kind of how much gratitude does a unlikely scudetto get you? Milan weren't the best team yeah. in Italy, I don't think, on paper when they won the league, and Pioli did a great job there. And yet now the knives are out. I mean, the answer is it doesn't buy you a lot of gratitude. I think we know the answer to that. And maybe his time has run its course at Milan. I don't know, but he's. They've assembled an almost brand new team there in the summer and they they've, were they going started, great yeah, guns. Exactly. They've started quite up well. until then and people were saying Sandro Tonali who yeah. and you know, and they had got over that and yet now suddenly Milan fans as I say, I understand it, I get it, because you've lost to your most heated opponent. That would be painful. But, you know, you're either with them or you're against them. I think a lot are against them, I think a lot are against or some anywhere against the ownership of the club as well and the way it's being run now but then don't celebrate the wins as well you know be be consistent but (laughs) yeah um, but you're talking about football fans yeah it's true it's true and I mean I you know I'm as guilty as anyone of lurching from one kind of extreme to another and the teams that we follow do sort of make you inclined to that kind of thing because they lurch from one result to another as well whereas if you support a big team maybe you're used to winning maybe if you're Milan you, you, you're expecting to be winning Scudetti and Champions Leagues and this is a bit harder to take on but it's it's just to me it was just the delivering finally of Inter seemed to be finally showing the promise it's as if something clicked after maybe that Champions League final they finally believe even though they lost it yeah 
they finally believe that they can go toe-to-toe with the best. I mean, having said all of that, they'll probably lose in the Champions <laughs> League midweek, having said all of this. But, you know, they do look they do look good. They've got Juve breathing down their necks with those, with that strike force, wherever they don't know where they got it from. Keys of Lalvich, double act. I've heard of them somewhere before, but, you know, they were in tip-top, tip-top form. And obviously they've just got that to concentrate on and, you know, stuck the knife into struggling Lazio side who are going to have to concentrate on Europe this year whether they like it or not you know so but yeah it was a, it was a good I mean it was a good game as a neutral it was a good game to watch there was a lot of good football played Inter were clearly the better side and that's going to um, be painful for Milan fans but that doesn't mean that Milan are rubbish because I think Inter are a very good yeah. side and Milan could just be a good side you know that's the bottom line although I did see Alarm bells were ringing for me when I saw the Gazeta saying Pioli rings the changes, Pobega to come into oh, the yeah. midfield. I <laughs> so well, maybe New, Newcastle fans may be <laughs> licking their lips yeah. at the at the thought of that. Not to pick on Pobega, but you know it, it's not the it's not a name to strike fear into the heart of Europe. I would I would suggest, but yeah, a big statement of intent from Inter. Really, they've started this season like they mean to deliver on all the promise that their squad's got, really. That's the, the bottom line with that one. Yeah, but one team that isn't breathing down in their neck so far is last season's champions and the team that blew everyone else away last year, Napoli, who have got off to a terrible start. I think it's their worst start in Serie A for a number of years. And, you know, I I think I did express it on the podcast. I'm going to claim I did. Some, express some scepticism about Rudy Garcia as the manager, he was a man that had never done anything of of note that that made me think that he was going to do something special with Napoli. And they are, I mean, the playing squad. They, okay, they lost Kim, but you know, largely it's the same playing squad. But they're just not playing the same type of football, and they don't look convincing this season. No, they do not at all. They look very stuttering, and I mean, it's <laughs> it looks like he's taken all the work that Spalletti done and undone it in record time. I mean, it would certainly be some achievement to take a team that walked away. Let's not forget, yeah. it wasn't even a close Scudetto late race last year. Now, as I say, we, we, with the proviso Inter, as I say, underperformed for me in the league last year. Juve were, you know, penalised their points where closer than the points thing. All of these kind of caveats on it. But nonetheless, you know, Napoli were the team to watch last year as well. They were not only were they champions, they were entertaining yeah. champions for a large chunk of the season. And to take that and as you say, with the loss of really only one, you know, the, the Napoli have been good at defending um the players that they want to keep, yeah. I think. You know, you know, they'd been one of the Italian teams probably that's got the best record for that, maybe give up one, but, you know, been good at bringing in others. And it isn't a great start. Uh, as you say, it was a surprising appointment because it didn't come with a breathtaking record either. And, you know, and that's that's the one thing that's like the bum note, really, in the whole thing is that Napoli have been good at the recruitment all yeah. round. And how did they get this one wrong? I mean, he may turn it around, we may have to eat some humble Rudy Garcia pie later in the season, but you know, early signs, and I see Napoli fans, you know, doing their dinger. If that's a thing that you can do in Naples, then I think they will be because you know they're just the performances. It's not even you know 
results can be bad and performances can be good, but at the, at the moment both things are bad. The results are not great and the performances are just amazingly lacking in cohesion yeah. for a team that that was their their hallmark last season was how they worked as a unit. They don't look like such a unit anymore, and that that would be a worry to me if I was a Napoli fan. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you've got to think with the players that they've got that they will pick up form a, a little bit but yeah they haven't got off to a great start and uh, you wonder how long De Laurentiis will give Rudy Garcia if things continue like this but um, a team that was struggling until this week struggling badly as well were, were Roma but they I suppose Jose um, staved off critics for at least a week with a thumping win against Empoli which puts oh. the old Venezia manager Zanetti and, and, and thin ice at Empoli yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a shame, but, you know, it's hard. It's such a the scale of the defeat, you know, to go to Roma and lose. And really, to be honest, it's, that's not the result. If it is, you know, as we speak, I think his future's in yeah. the balance. Although, when I see that it's Andrea Zoli yeah, no. that's being mentioned as a potential replacement, I think, well, you know, why bother? You know, not to, again, you know, just a man that had seen there, sort of a very yeah. beige appointment. It's as if there's a pot. You know, he's like in this bucket of managers that sits waiting and you know that they pluck that name out. It's not going to excite anyone in Empoli, I don't think. And, and you know, Zanetti, we've spoken of him as a man for bringing through young players. Yeah. And that's the Empoli trademark. But as I say, still, it plays badly with fans to take that kind of a scalping. I mean, I think Roma were due to give somebody a threat. They'd started so badly, I mean, it believe it or believe it or not, that was a bottom of the table clash mm. after three games. They were right down there and, you know, you knew that with the players they've got, they're not going to be there forever. So, you know, as you say, he staves off the critics for another week. Although, you know, Roma fans, I think, love him for what he's done in Europe. So if you can send him on another great cavalcade. I mean, they almost love him beyond his results, really, because yeah. when you look at his actual performance record with Roma it isn't that great, it doesn't sit particularly well against previous managers but he knows what people like he knows to give them a trophy and to give them a cup run is is worth a lot and so you know that's sometimes the league games have maybe suffered from that and you know we've criticised them in the past for not being that great to watch and being a bit pragmatic but you can't, there can't have been too many people complaining a seven nil scudding, and as you say, it does leave it does leave Zanetti on the brink. Empoli try to do things differently; they do have a bit more patience than other clubs. But as I say, that kind of defeated you. I don't know. You know, you just worry about the the, the players kind of not playing for the manager if they're if they're at that. You know, three four nil down, and the just the heads go down, and they, you know, it, it could have been any number really, you know, it was they stopped at seven but it could have gone yeah. on for could have gone on for more and that would be that would be worrying me. But as I say, the damage was done in the games before that really, going to Roma and I think they've got some tough games coming up. So, you know, I don't I don't even know if a change of manager's gonna suddenly bring them up the table anymore. But, you know, I, he must be he must be, as I say, it may be in the time between recording and publishing yeah, this podcast, well <laughs> Mr Zanetti may be looking for another job. Yeah, which is a shame because he'll always uh, always have a special place in the heart of the Venetians. But um, as we mentioned at the start, uh, both our teams won and we will now get to Fiorentina's big win against Atalanta. A bit of a 
topsy-turvy win, but a win nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, and a, a, a pivotal one, I think, because both teams are kind of mid-table and, you know, a win would put them, uh, put Fiorentina on the sort of edge of the European places very early days in the season, but, you know, it's been a topsy-turvy start to the season, as I said, one and a half good games, one and a half terrible games, and uh, although I'm starting to reappraise the Inter defeat in light of yeah. Milan because, you know, maybe Inter are really, really good. So maybe that wasn't such a terrible result. But it was a terrible performance, nonetheless, very lacklustre performance. The weekend, I mean, Fiorentina are always up for Atalanta. The fans despise Giampiero Gasperini, a sort of series of kind of run-ins they've had with him. And he didn't really do anything to placate. After the defeat, he said, I get it, why? It's the atmosphere of a big game. But Fiorentina have been, and we've outdone them in six of the last seven seasons or something. They're in the same they're in the same band as us. And so that'll, he'll just get the same yeah. welcome, only worse. So, but it was a curious game because it was almost a game of four halves, if that's possible, because up until the first cooling break, Fiorentina were terrible. But luckily, that was that was brought in, and they seemed to buck up their ideas. They went one 0 down a minor sort of deflected shot of Parisi, who had a really good game actually. Mm-hmm. I thought that was encouraging for him and potentially Italy somewhere down the line. Um, that you know a teenager stepped into the team and and did such a good job, showed such character but then something clicked and Fiorentina started to play some really lovely football equalized through Jack Bonaventura who's now I read the stat today so I might as well use it um and I don't I know we are checking the veracity of it but I'm going to use it anyway that there are only four because it's so early in the season of course there are only four players across Europe who have scored at least two goals in the last 13 seasons of the top five European leagues, and they are Robert Lewandowski, Human Son, Olivier Giroud, and Jack Bonaventura. There so, there, so there you go. I and mean, it was a lovely goal he scored. It was, I don't it know was if you saw goal, it, yeah. but you know, it was uh, Nico Gonzalez is one of the greatest headers of the ball in the game at the moment. His spring for a wee guy is phenomenal. And he nodded it down, and then Bonaventura took it, controlled it, whacked it. But it was the only way to score the goal, and he scored it. And then suddenly Fiorentina played well. And then, you know, if if you had this on your coupon, well done you, because it was a Duncan assist for a Lucas Martinez Clarta header <laughs> to get them 2-1 up. Um, and that's a pretty rare combination. But I, I noticed that Martinez Clarta um, playing the kind of... <sighs> I'm going to call it the Johnny Stones role for Man City. This centre back that kind of steps into the midfield and and play. And he is, I've said before, he's a good good footballer. He's maybe just not that great a defender. And certainly getting him further up the pitch. Well, it looked like a good policy on 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 the Sunday there. I mean, Fiorentina being Fiorentina, they tried to balls it up. And uh, Adamola Lukman got waltzed, waltzed yeah. through the defence, and that's the worry, that, you know, the waltzing through the defence. But our joker in the pack, Christian Kuame, who you know outscoring now, well, everybody's outscoring our strike force because neither Beltran nor Nzola has scored a goal <laughs> yet. Um, although Beltran actually looked pretty lively when he came on, Nzola still struggling, but he's a he's a big target, I think, for others to play off. Um, but Kwame, a, a mistake by Atalanta, popped up with a toe poke and just 
those points are oxygen for Fiorentina because they were under criticism after this a, a bit of a scudding and throwing away the lead against Lecce. Although again, I'm starting to reappraise that game as well because Lecce the surprise package yeah, of Serie A so far, and even you know I admired. I watched a fair bit of their game with Monza, and they were down to ten men for a lot of it. And they didn't look that much like they were going to lose. They played pretty well. They've got this striker, Kristovic, uh, Nikola Kristovic, who apparently Milan and Inter are already interested. And he looks at an interesting prospect that they're well organised. And you know, so that so even that wasn't such a wasn't such a bad result. So, but it was it was a big win for Fiorentina. I mean, they're the only team that had to play the European qualifiers, the only Italian team that had to play European qualifiers to get into their. Conference League, which goes on this other way in Belgium to play Genk, but it just it, you know what you're saying about Bayern Mourinho time with a big win. Yeah, that was a that was a win against a you know a rival for a European finish, I guess, um, and they, they needed that because the start of the season had been inconsistent. So it was it was great, but winning does feel great, Marco, doesn't it? It does indeed. Yes, <laughs> good segue because uh, yeah, we'll go we'll, we'll drop down to Serie B and yeah. Uh, we Venezia kicked off the Serie B weekend on Friday night, playing Spezia at home, which is obviously a tough game because Spezia just down from Serie A um, and and a rhyming game as well. It is Venezia, which Spezia. is which is not all that common. <laughs> yeah, especially with us. But um, yeah, uh, and yeah, it was a it was a good it was a hard fought but good win, and of course. Who was the goal scorer? But old Joe Poyampalo just after he'd signed this new contract for us. So yeah, um, yeah, no, it was a it was a, a a pretty solid win. They didn't have a huge number of chances, but it was a pretty even game. But then, yeah, he he just popped up, did what Buzio hit the post with a good shot, and he just reacted first yeah. and thumped the ball as hard as he could, as he always does, off the palo, <laughs> yeah, yeah. off the palo to Puyampalo. Yeah, exactly. Was, yeah, I know. It was, it was a good finish. Actually, it was a composed finish because not easy. It must no. have been. You know, it was coming at him at a fair rate of knots, and he. he, he it was a composed finish. I watched the highlights, and I thought that you know what you see, a pretty fair. Venezia looked like they started off the stronger, yep. but then there were chances definitely at at both ends. And you know, as a sort of recently relegated team, you've got to think beating Spezia is a is another statement of intent. And I was re- I don't like to make you nervous, Marco, but I was reading today sort of things putting you know Palermo, Parma, and Venezia as the big three of Serie B. I mean, is that? Is it too early to say that, or are you getting carried away? No, I'll always say it's too early to say that sort of thing. But the, we certainly, it's been our best start to Serie B in, I think, in a number of years, or possibly even never, I think. But, but um, uh, yeah, it's it's been encouraging. It's definitely, that's the sort of game before Vanoli came that we would definitely have lost, or, you know, conceded a 90, 95th minute goal or something. So... From that point of view, we've definitely improved. And yeah, the other teams you mentioned, Palermo looked strong, but Parma, you know, it was a top of the table clash. Catanzaro against Parma, and Parma won that comprehensively 5 0. So they look very strong, and they were strong uh, towards the end of last season as well. So I would say that they're probably, you know, superstitions and everything, but I think they're probably the strongest team in the league. But yeah, we're definitely up there, and it's a season where I can reasonably get excited about about um competing for for at least a playoff place this season let's put it that way definitely definitely and i noticed that 
whilst we're saying Zanetti might be out of his job at Empoli, there is a casualty in Serie B. I don't know if you spotted that Davide Ballardini, yes, another man uh, from that bucket of that bucket <laughs> of sort of very average managers, has been thrown out the door at Cremonese. I mean, they kept it's always a bizarre one. They kept faith with him through relegation. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't his fault the relegation entirely because he didn't manage the whole season. But they kept faith with him, and now, you know, just a few games in. I mean, I think they've only lost one game equally. They hadn't won a lot. I think it was six points out of five games. And right enough, you know, if you're wanting to um, build a, you know, bounce straight back, I guess that's not the. But I sometimes wonder why don't you just get rid of them in oh, the summer if you don't really it's, fancy it them? Pointless. You know, then you yeah. know why why keep him? But um, uh, Giovanni Stroppa lined up to apparently to take his place. So we'll Stroppa is one of the Serie B equivalents of those managers that. Yeah, he is really. He is so. really. He is really. Their names are just always there. It yeah. is like you draw them out of a hat, like the like the FA Cup draw, and it'll be we'll take exactly. number seven, Giovanni Stroppa. Exactly. You know, it is it is it is bizarre. But um, as I say, whether that will have the. Desi- I mean, another man must be under pressure is Andrea Pirlo. If is, as yeah. we speak, I think Sampdoria playing. They've not delivered, you know. So, uh, Ballardini will not be the last Serie B manager to get sacked. As I categorically can tell you, an exclusive year late in the day on the Rigori podcast, that there will be more managerial casualties in Serie B as the season progresses. You heard it here first. I think that's fair to say. Um, <laughs> before we go, uh, we obviously um, had the 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 week off with the Azzurri and stuff like that. Um, and Spalletti's, what did you make of Spalletti's first first games? Well, I, I thought they weren't as, they weren't as terrible. Uh, the first one wasn't as terrible. The second one wasn't as brilliant mm-hmm. as people, uh, you know what we're saying about getting carried away. It's hard to get a, a middle judgment. And he was doing a sticking plaster job, really. You know, he was trying to make do with, Mancini's players, he, he brought in what he thought were the most tried and tested performers. I think there were a few verdicts delivered, not 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 final verdicts, but I thought uh, Zaccagni was a bit yeah. underwhelming after a lot of calls for him to get a spot. I, I think, I believe Zaniolo won you over a bit in the second he game, did, not the first. first. I should get um, that on record since I've slagged him yeah, off so much. Yeah, I think you should. I think <laughs> he, you he should. Did, uh, he did. It, that was the, honestly the first game that I've seen him play where I sort of thought, okay, he's not totally he can, useless. He's, he can do yeah, something, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, and so I, I think somewhere in the middle, there's hope in some of these younger players coming through, and we have to be brave enough and I think I think he's a man that will be brave enough you know so I'd, I'd say judge him more in games to come we're hanging in there yeah you know qualifications back in our hands after a bad result in in North Macedonia we got things on track some of the stuff they played against Ukraine was pretty nice pretty good um but you know a few lapses at the back which are still worrying Donnarumma don't know what's going on there, you know, one of the world's best goalkeepers, yeah. but just, you know, especially with his feet, he's often... Oh, his distribution's terrible, yeah. D- disastrous. So, you know, but I'm, I'm sort of plotting a middle path on that one. I'm saying, give it time. He did okay. You know, I saw a lot of things after the North Macedonia scene. This is the worst Italy squad that's ever yeah. been in existence. But remember, 
you're not old enough to remember actually, but in 1982 when the squad went out to the World Cup, that was the worst squad <laughs> ever sent to the World Cup. And look what look what happened. So you know sometimes the sum of the parts is greater than the individuals involved or whatever. So give it time. I was I was as I say there was enough to encourage me in the second game to past the misery of the first one I think that was the way I felt about it yeah and it's definitely got you take him time I mean to be honest I don't think we'll really he'll really have a chance to build his team until after the qualification's done where he's got a bit of time to then experiment and stuff so um, yeah obviously a tough game next next round of games against England but yeah hopefully hopefully we can do enough to to qualify so um, but that is all from us for for this week uh, if you enjoyed the podcast and even if you didn't to be honest please tell your friends like and subscribe and every, everything like that uh, so that we can keep going and we'll speak again next week yep speak to you then